Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking about creativity and resilience and how those things go together and how people manage their lives when they're doing cool things. Okay, today my guest is Terry Ray. He's an actor, he's a writer, he's a producer. Uh, he's got a play that's showing in Palm Springs this weekend, and it's set in a hotel room. And they actually do the play in a hotel room, which I think is so cool. It's at Indulge. The name of the play is Electricity. I'm going to talk to Terry about that and a lot of other things. But first, um, I also want to get a plug for my launch party for my business, LifeCast. Uh, if you happen to be in L.A., it's on November 19th. It's a Sunday afternoon from 3 to 5.30 Um at the village where we do the mismatch game. Um, I posted an, uh, an invite for it on the Dennis anyone Facebook page and everyone's welcome. Just shoot me an RSVP in the comments. If you'd like to come. Oh, my Patreon episode this, this month is awesome. It has all these celebrity outgoing messages from my answering machines back in the day. Um, so you can learn about that at patreon.com, uh, search for Dennis, anyone you can get it for as little as a dollar an episode. All right. That's enough plugs. Here, without any further ado, it's Terry Ray. Hey there, I'm coming to you from beautiful Silver Lake, California. We got a, a, a wonderful view out the window of the city. I'm in the apartment of Terry Ray. You told me before I sat down that this is the Lonnie Anderson's chair. Now, why is that? Oh, you're sitting in a, a bar stool chair, which is different from the others because we shoot uh, my show... Uh, my sister's so gay here in my apartment, and that's Lonnie Car- Lonnie's character's chair. She sits there. She's always there. She sits in that chair and drinks. I love it. And says witty things. Now, that's one of many projects that you have going on, but let's start with that one now. Is it up? It's online for people to see. Yeah. Yes. You can, right now, you can uh, go to uh, just YouTube and go, my sister's so gay, and watch the whole thing right now. That's awesome. How yeah. many episodes are we talking? Six. That's great. But season two is going to come. It actually, it's been like a long gap, but we actually last week came up with the plan of how we're doing say, season two. So it's coming. It's coming. There you go. You, yes. You have so many different things that I started doing a dive on your stuff and yeah. there's, I didn't even get to the, my sister so gay, which is one of your most current things. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. remiss is my point. Oh, Owning I'm sorry. It. Well, you can, well, you, you can watch it. It's fun. She's very funny. She looks amazing. Oh yes. my God, she looks amazing. Lonnie Anderson, man. Lonnie Anderson has been in my bed. That was her dressing room. I've had a lot of sexy girls in my bed, and, and, and it's all wasted on me. I it's, want names. Uh, well, let's see. Um, Lonnie. Lonnie Anderson. Don Wells. Don Wells, Marianne. Yeah. Gilligan's Island. Right. I mean, like if, I mean, like if you're a, a, a teenage the boy in the 70s, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gina Hecht, who was on... Um, I remember that name. Right, right. I would she have was said on, Gina, but I, that's because I don't no, know. I know, but if you're in the know, it's Gina, which yeah. is... you got to learn that because she does not like Gina. It's Gina. Wow. She was from Mork and Mindy. Of course. And Carolita White. I don't know the... I know the name, but I'm you not placing it. You know where. She was Big Rosie on Laverne and Shirley. Okay, of course. Yes. There you go. All those chicks have been in my bed. I love it. Bruce Valanche has been in my bed. I love it. And also, Jim J. Bolt's one of your neighbors, right? Yes, he's been in my bed. That's amazing. <laughs> so many people have been in your bed. It's so good. Yeah. Um, now, you have a play that we want to talk about because if you're in Palm Springs, you can actually go and see this play. Yes. And it's called Electricity. Yes. And what I love about it is I haven't had the opportunity to see it yet, is that it's set in a hotel room and you actually perform it in a hotel room. Yeah. That's our new experiment. We did it in a regular theater for a whole big long run. Right. But now, since the whole thing takes place in one hotel room, the same hotel room, I thought, why not try it in this uh, in a hotel and um, the people who own Indulge in Palm Springs had seen it in LA. Right. I-N-N 
Dulge. Those are all capital. Yeah. And Dulge. I've seen the ads. Yeah, and I thought it was like a sex place. Right. You know, it's... And, you know, you think, it's indulge, it's a sex right. It's not. It's very classy. They have live theater there. That's amazing. Uh, well, we're the first. But it's it's um, it's a very nice resort, and the guys who owned it saw the show, and when my producer asked them, they said immediately, yes, let's try this. And they're so good to us. And the, it's really, like, completely a different experience, because I thought, oh, it'll just be like, you know, put the play on in the hotel room. No, I thought it changes everything. We had to deconstruct the whole thing, because you forget how theatrical everything is. It's like, you're like, you know, you're kind of three quarters, and you're facing the audience. You can't do any of that. You have to be like, you know, it's it's like making a movie. It's got to be as real as a movie, but there's people two inches from your face, and um, there's no cutting. Yeah, so I'm, I have a picture of a, your basic hotel room with one bed. Yeah. And then the audience all sort of around in like a horseshoe. Like, where does the audience go in this yeah. hotel so room? Yeah, so picture this, our room is like a really long rectangle. So think rectangle. And the bed is at one end of the rectangle. And they've taken out all the rest of the furniture. Right. So everything else is chairs and pathways to get to the front door, to get to the bathroom. And so it is sort of a uh, horseshoe shaped. But the center has got some rows in it, but the sides are single. And it just, it's so cool. People have been loving it. We've been getting standing hotel room ovations. Standing hotel room ovations. Nothing wrong yeah, with that. Right? You always dream about that, right? I, exactly. Yeah. And then, like, like it's such different. It's like there's a bathroom. And usually that was going off stage. But now, if you go to the bathroom, ten people can still see you. So I'm like, okay, i got to keep acting. What am I doing in the bathroom that is not, you know, something decent? So you got to keep going and figuring out what you There's no offstage. We have to change clothes in front of people. Uh, there's no blackout. It's yeah, just, it's not like kill the light. Right. You know, like, it's, there's, it's just, you just keep going. And the whole thing starts after a 10th high school reunion. That's when these two guys hook up after, right. in, in 1983. And the play goes uh, every decade. After every reunion, 83, 93, 03, 13. And they're a very unlikely couple that hook up, these gay guys. And it you kind of just see the whole change of society through how they react with each other each, each decade. But it starts at the... After the reunion, so we thought, why not at the hotel start with the reunion? Right, that could be the opening reception. Area. So everybody meets in the lobby. Nice, and it's 1983. Perfect, and um, we give them name tags from classmates that we mentioned in the play, so they're all sort of participating. Love and it. They have been really into it, you know. And then we have a little, we've improved a little scene that starts where. Um, the one guy asks the other back to his room and then everybody just follows and that's how the play starts. And everybody follows into the room. As an actor, does it change your performance to be in an actual hotel room? It totally does. In what ways? Because you can be so real. I mean, it's really the most challenging thing I've ever gotten to do as an actor because you can whisper. Right. You can do everything and it's like, there is just, it is like, you know how real movie acting is. You have to be, the camera's right there. You have to be that real Every second, you can't, you can't get theatrical, did which you, is a great example it, for me. Do you find it moves you more? Yeah. Do you find you go deeper and you're like, wow, that felt... It, it does. I had an experience. It really does. And you have to forget about... Because anywhere you look, there's a face. Right. So it's like you can't like look above the audience, really, because you're if you're sitting on the bed, you'd be looking at the ceiling. So yeah. it's just got to... You have to like block that somehow because literally... Yeah. There is somebody staring at you. Has yeah. this ever happened during a show? Housekeeping. No. <laughs> right. I'm worried about it. No. I love it that. It hasn't. But we have, you know, there's a pool outside and there's people out there, but they're quiet during the play. I mean, I, 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 they're, it's very interesting because we're staying at the hotel too. So the first night, no one, there's a buzz, but nobody knows exactly what's going on. They're like, right. those are the actors. That's the room. They put curtains up around 
our rooms so we're blocked from the from the pool so that somebody that comes in because of the it's not a sex club but it's clothing optional pool right so some people are naked out there right so the, there's could women can come to the play or whatever so they block it off with this little row of curtains so that it becomes mysterious what's behind the curtain yeah what's, what's going, going on back there and then they start saying and then uh, talking about it and people are buying tickets from the hotel too and then the next night, the next day, when I go to breakfast in the morning, everybody's like, oh, my God, the play. We didn't know what it was going to be. It was so exciting. And you guys telling other people that they have to go see it. And then people start buying tickets. And then it's like, it's really fun to just then you're hanging out with your audience. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Your fans get to sort of yeah. talk to you at the breakfast buffet. And sometimes you see your audience hang out, which is literally, you know, totally literally, which is a whole new experience. So, you know. Now, when you're staying at the hotel after the show, are you literally staying in the same room? Yes. We have two rooms. One of us stays in the showroom. Yeah. And the other ones gets a real room because, um, yeah. That's so, so funny. It's yeah. so different. What inspired you to write the play originally? Well, the honest thing was I was writing a bunch of really like soul crushing TV movies for no credit because I was considered a rewrite though. All they would do is tell me the title and I never read the script and then it would be a rewrite, even though I had no idea what the original script said. And I wasn't getting any credit. And the scripts all had to be, <sighs> they all had to be the same. They all had to be like a girl was in love with the wrong guy. And on this page, she had to meet the other guy. And then she had to have a falling out with this person. And they had to have a kiss on this page. It was soul crushing. And if you did anything original, like you made something funny, they go, no, this is a comedy. But I literally got this note. This is a comedy, but it shouldn't be funny. Um. Okay. And then I got, <laughs> I got this note once. It's like, okay, so I'm coming up with characters that I think are fun or interesting. And they're like, you know what? Your characters are flawed and we don't think we should have any flawed characters. Oh, yeah. that's my neighbor, Jim J. Bullock, blowing leaves in his patio. I love it. How long will it last? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of fun to have Jim J. Bullock Just knowing blowing, that it's Monroe. Blowing leaves on the patio. For a, for a bit. It's a small patio. It shouldn't last forever. Okay. okay. <laughs> but he's very neat and tidy. He yeah, does, I he, like that. I like knowing that. Uh, he blows his leaves a lot. See, that's an avocado tree out there. You can actually see avocados hanging. I love it. But first of all, I love the idea, because Jim J. Bullock was somebody that was the neighbor. Wacky neighbor. He's, the, he's literally okay, your God. wacky neighbor. Yeah, I, in, my, in real life. I know. I know. It's like when you're a kid and you watch the show, because I did watch the show. And this it's was like, too close for comfort, Too of close for comfort. And I'm like, you know, I, I always thought, oh, he's, you know, Monroe's gay or whatever. But, of course, they never yeah. brought that up in the show. But then I, now he, he became my friend because he was in my movie, Gaydar, which we can talk about later. Yes. But, um, but, um, but now he's my real-life wacky neighbor. And he is my wacky neighbor. Does he enter without knocking? Does he have an entrance? <laughs> he does. He does? lines, yes. You know, he, 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 he gets away with whatever he wants to. He, he is... He is He's sort of crazy in, in a terrific way. What's something that you did together, or he did, or that you experienced where it's like, this would be a good sitcom? Oh, well, one time, I'm just saying, one time when I answered the door, I answered the door, and um, he had given himself a scotch tape facelift. And, and, okay. And he had literally scotch taped himself to death with right. this, and just pretended like it was totally fine, and just came in and... Just did it for shits and giggles? Yeah, just or, for fun. Yeah. Just for laughs. Just fun. Just for laughs. And, and so one time, I, I uh, he knew I was going to come over to his house. Like, uh, I had just left, and I was going to run over to my place and get something and come back. Like, literally, we were right next door. We share a wall. And I was gone 15 seconds. And I opened the door, and he's completely naked. <laughs> he pulled a Harvey Weinstein on you. <laughs> just, no, he wasn't trying to do that. But yeah. he was just like, I'm just like, naked. how did you possibly get naked that fast? And it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> 
That's so that's so random and so cool that you yeah. get next to him in a row. And did you know him before that? I met him when we did Gator. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I did not know him before then, but I wrote a part for him because I, I knew people who knew him. And I thought, I'm going to ask them if he will do this part. And um, I literally ran into him in the street before, like right after I wrote it. And I said, I just wrote a part for you. It's going to hit up your friends to uh, get it to you. And he said, well, send it to me. And he said, yes. The rest is history. Right. And now we're wacky neighbors. I love that. So going yeah. back to electricity, you said you were you wrote it at a time when you were really frustrated as a writer. Oh, right, right, right. So, yeah. So I thought, I can't take these bad notes anymore. Right. And I am done. So um, I'm like, I'm going to write something where you don't get bad notes. Like, what can you do? And I'm like, I think the only thing where the, the, the writer's king is theater. So I'm going to write a play. And I'm like, what do I write about? And I want to write something that would mean something. And I thought... Um, I want to write about the gay journey that so many of us have taken that, that you start off like in my situation, you start off thinking there's something wrong with you. It's like, I'm defective. Right. And and now I'm in a place where I demand equality. So that is a long journey that so many people have taken. And I'm thinking that journey takes decades. Yeah. And so how can I do that? So I thought, well, about the reunion thing and let's do that so we can skip decades and, and check in with these people. So that was, that was my deal. And and the electricity part was, um, the one thing that I had in my brain is, is, is something that's true. This is, the electricity is not my story, but it's, um, some little bits of it are my story. And, and, um, I'm not giving anything away when I tell you that, um, that I in real life went to a seminary and I tell this, that my character has the same story and that I used to, um, be in this men's choral group and we'd have to go to different churches and they would host us overnight. And sometimes we'd be in a room with, um, twin beds, but sometimes we'd be in a room with, you know, we had to share a bed. Right. And, and you were in high school? No, college, college, okay. college. And I, when that happened, I never slept. I stayed awake all night and I would just get as close as I could to whoever was in the other bed without touching them and just feel the electricity. And I would stay awake all night thinking about that. Wow. So that is how I got the title. It's that just being that close, but yeah. not touching. But feeling it. Yeah. And wow. I think so many people have had that feeling, that experience of like when you're like, something's brand new and you're yeah. that close to somebody that you're attracted to. So that's where it comes from. When you were a kid and that would happen, how would you feel about it? Would you feel mixed up about it? I or feel, did yeah. you feel guilty yes, about it? Yes, I did. I felt it was wrong. Right. But, um, but that was the most excitement I got. It was like when you have a little sleepover with your friends and you go, okay, I'm going to get really close, but not touch. And maybe they'll move and they'll touch me. And then I won't pull away. And then I won't pull away. I'll just lay there. Wow. Yeah. That's so weird. I remember is that, is after that college, sick? there was this guy that yeah. I was really good friends with, but I was kind of in love with too, but neither one of us were out. We hadn't talked to spoke about it at all. And I remember he'd come to visit me from, uh, in LA and we were in a bed like that. And one day he crawled over me, like oh, being God. silly and playful and I should have done something then, but I didn't, I, you know what I mean? But that's it was, always the regrets. Yeah. Why didn't I drink? So I could have done something. <laughs> this is what you get for not drinking. Right. But, um, so in the, in the play you have to age, right? Yes. How does that work with, with hair and clothes and stuff yes. like that? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm bald in real life. So, um, I have hair in, in, 
in, in the first decade. And then the next decade I have a hat. Right. And then the next decade I um, am bald. And then, then the next decade I have bad eyesight. So that's how I... That's how it happens. Physically, yeah. Now, who's the other actor that's in it with you? Is it just the two of you? Yes, two people. Yes. Yeah. Mel England is in it right now. And he is really great and fun to work with. And we have a, a great chemistry and... Uh, it, he's he's way more attractive than I am, and so uh, uh, in his character has nudity. Mine, I try to not have any nudity, though I have to get out of bed naked be- during the hotel version because there's no place to change clothes. And there's no blackout. Right. So I had to be a big boy and just go, okay, well, I just got to get out of this bed naked. But um, but Mel has some new stuff, and he's... He's he's a good looking and he's a and, and the whole thing is it sounds very dr- dramatic but it's very much a comedy, yeah. uh, so it's a comedy but it's also got some serious and you know hopefully touching and sexy stuff to it. So does he live out there or does he live no, here? He's here. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. We just rehearsed a few minutes ago before you got here. I love that. Yeah. Right Did you here feel the house? electricity when you walked in? I was yeah. wondering what that was. Yeah, that was that. I thought it was because of my new microphones and stuff. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. It is a little bit because they're well, so hot. Ah, I'm so close. I know. And I'm not going to get a cold from I them bought at all. the little popper stoppers. Yeah. But I'm very subconscious about my S. My symbol. I feel like oh. I have a gay S. These are really fancy, and they have that new microphone smell to them. They do. <laughs> I love the new microphone. <laughs> that little smell. bit like Radio Shack, just slightly, but yeah, yeah but nicer. What's some of the things that people have said to you after the show that really meant a lot? Oh my God. It's been so nice. Um, so many guys tell you that I just, they just watch their story. Right. That they lived it. Yeah. And they, and, and what's cool is they relate a little bit to both characters, but, uh, I've had people crying after the show. So, so moved that they saw themselves in, the, in that when they weren't expecting it. Cause you know, when they go to, you go to, you're going to indulge to a hotel play. You don't know right. what to expect. Yeah. It's not the center theater group. Right. In LA. Or, yeah, exactly. You know, so it's so, not Steppenwolf. So, so they're very pleasantly surprised about what's actually happening in front of them. And, 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 um, I had a, we had a guy that was, um, just saw a poster in his gym and he came he didn't know anything about anybody and he just came from the poster and afterwards he was just he couldn't leave he's like i got to talk to you about how i feel he's like when i was um uh you know i was married i in in one time one time i had sex with um a guy when i was married and i got aids and um and he said, and I was going to die. And I had to tell my family, my wife and my kids that I'd had sex with a guy and then I got AIDS and then I was going to die. Oh my God. And then he, um, he got better, uh, and, and he stayed with them and he, at 60, at age 60, he told them, no, I, I, I am gay. And he had, he came out and, and, and he said, this was my life story. And you guys, I just saw it, just saw it. And, um, so it's just, it was I so powerful. I got chills when you were talking about to that. To do that. And, and, and we've had straight people that have come up to me, like straight guys, it's really in, it, impressive, have said, I, I'm shocked at how much I relate to these people because they're just, it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not necessarily a gay story. It's a human story because we've all had these feelings about, our, you know, you have this crush that's like, is it the right person? And like, if they actually got together, would it work? It's like, but you have these feelings about this person and you can't yeah. get it out of your head. What are you supposed to do with them? Yeah. And, and so I think with straight or gay, it's a, it's a, it's a human story. And that's, that I love hearing. And also what I also love hearing is people will t- get a hold of me weeks later and say, I can't get the characters out of my head. And, and that's, I feel like that's a great compliment. That's so, amazing. Yeah. 
is there something that you gave yourself to do as an actor that you always wanted to do in this show since you were writing it yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's it's way more... Because I usually do really goofy comedy. You know, like, way out wacky characters right. on me. So I, I get to be very real... And, uh, you know, have some dramatic stuff and have some romantic stuff. And I never get to do that. So uh, if I was to audition for this play, they'd be go, Terry Ray, you're not right for this. And so because I, you know, wrote it and said I'm doing it, then then they go, oh, yeah, wow, Terry Ray. We hadn't seen the side of you before. So Good for you. Yeah, Good so. for you for doing it. Uh, you talked about wacky comedy. There's another web project that you have up online with Don Wells. Yes. Where Marianne from Gilligan's Island is still on the island. She's still on that freaking island. Is that the name of it? What's yes. the name of it? Still- She's still on that freaking island. island. Yeah. And you wash ashore. I do. And have really funny conversations and... Um, I, like little island adventures. I get to ask all the logic questions that we've all wanted to ask. Yes, <laughs> which is really fun. And uh, and uh, Don and Wells, lots of, you have lots of fun with the and the rest. How the yeah. first was it the first season only that they the the opening theme song referred to the pre- professor yes. Marianne yes. and the rest. There's three seasons, and the first season they had the the song with there was and only the rest. three seasons. Yes, but they did like thirty some episodes a, a, season. a season. Okay. Yeah. I think there's like 99 episodes, something like that. That's a recurring gag in in your piece about how they got labeled the rest. Yeah, she's a little bitter about that. She should be. It's bullshit. (laughs) How much harder is it to say the Professor and Mary But you know that got changed because Bob Denver insisted. Bob Denver insisted. Yes. He said, you have to give them the title. They didn't want to do that. And Bob Denver said, well, then take my name out of it. Bob Denver threw down. Yeah. He's the one who got that changed. So, yeah, I get to hear some good stuff from her. That's really good. Yeah. Really good. I bet and Natalie Schaefer was a wild thing. Don really? Good stories about Lovey her. Howell? Mm-hmm. Like, just like to party, like to... Girl like to drink and have a good time. That's so good. Yeah. So, for, I think for her funeral, um, she just had all... She just... I think, which is a great thing, she just had all her liquor out and said, to have these friends come over and drink up all my liquor. There you go. So, there you That's go. That's nice. Yeah. I'll do the same thing, but it'll be like Diet Vanilla Coke Zero. <laughs> drink it all drink up. Drink it all up. It was five for 20 at Ralph's, so I'm <laughs> stuck for a while. I, Tina Louise, though, I get the feeling isn't that pleasant. Because I get the feeling that she doesn't like the gingerness of it all. Uh, well, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not talking out of school because I haven't been told. But yeah. my, what I'm observing is that she doesn't want to have anything to do with the show. Yeah. That, um, that she just would rather not talk about it, which is, you know, Dawn, I give her such credit because some people get like, Oh, I was, you know, are, are bitter about something like that. I think you've got to make peace with it and you got to own it and she have fun with it. If embraced, you're a Brady yes. or a Gilligan or an angel or whatever it is. Yeah. Cause that's why we love you. Yeah. And you're loved and you got like millions of people love you. So why would you not want to be yeah. embracing that? And Dawn Wells does a great job. She, she, she delivers for her fans. When anybody talks to her, she will, she will give them good quality time. Does she say, oh, my coconut cream pie or something like that? <laughs> I had this friend that used to do a Marianne impression. She would talk about coconut cream pies yeah. in this voice. What's in funny, Freaking Island, she talks about coconut vodka. Yeah. Because she's a little jaded. It's beautiful where you shot. Where is that? It's, uh, I think it's called Port or Fort Wainimi or something like that. In El- in near, it's, it's, near, it's near Oxnard. It's okay. a little south of Oxnard. Did you just shoot at Gorilla? Or did you we get permits? did. The first time we shot it, the first episode we shot Gorilla, and yeah. we got busted. And um, it always happens. Yes, doesn't but it? I so played the Marianne card. I'm like, oh, but that's Dawn Well. She was Marianne on Gilligan's Island, and we're just doing this little project for her. So if we could have a little bit more time to the Ranger, and he was like, well, okay then. That's I'll send amazing. you a picture. Yeah. Well, okay. 
So yeah, but the second time we had a, we had enough sense to have a permit. Yeah, but then we had some woman who just wanted to stand in the way and said, "I don't care. I don't like that you're shooting here." And she just stood on the beach and like you know was a pill. <laughs> and it's kind of like any other beach story might make sense that there's somebody else there in the background. Yeah, this one story, there cannot be any other people anywhere. I know. And this woman's just going to stand there like a... Uh, she was, it was ridiculous. She just wanted to have her time of, you know, whatever. And it was really hard to, to not have any civilization yeah. show when you're at a public beach. Yeah. And yeah. So there's actually, there's one point where my nose is blocking the lifeguard stand. So if I move one little tiny bit, you'll see lifeguard stand or... And, <laughs> and, you can't move your nose. So you all, and watch, you can see this on YouTube. Go to, yeah. my, she's still in that freaking island. In the first episode, if you look in the hills, you can see a car go by. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Um, you guys have great chemistry. You and Don Wells. I love her. Yes. So you're really funny together. Thank you. Yes. So I just met her. I was like, I had never laid eyes on her. And for some reason I always thought in my mind, I thought one day I'll, I'll meet her, but I never went to see her in a play or something. I never made like a, like a trip to see her. And then she was in somebody's, uh, uh, web series that they did. And they, I was invited to the screening. It was called life interrupted, I think. And, um, she was there, but I didn't go talk to her. And I was, had just shot, uh, She's, uh, my sister's so gay with Lonnie Anderson and, and people were asking me because we just filmed it like the two days before. Right. And so I was telling the story and um, there was one guy in the circle that I didn't know and I stopped the story and said, you know who I really liked in the show today was Don, was Don Wells. I thought she was completely different from Marianne and I, and I really liked her. And the guy I didn't know said, oh, that's cool. I'm her manager. You want to meet her? And I'm like, yeah. So he took me over and he said, oh, he's... Terry's doing a show with Lonnie Anderson and uh, he thought you were you know, good in this. And she's like, oh, I want to read the script that you did with Lonnie. And so she read it and the next day she was like, can I, we have a meeting? And I'm like, okay. I think if I'm going to the meeting, I should at least have some kind of an idea. So I thought, I'm sure someone's pitched like doing something where she's still on the island. Right. And so we went to the meeting and I said, what about doing something where you're still on the island? She said, no one's ever said that to me before. Let's do that. So that's how it happened. I love it. Was there any issue with Sherwood Schwartz or any of that? What? Wait, why? Yeah, okay. what, what? Never mind. What? what? Uh, the, Jim J. Bullock is doing the leaves again. <laughs> 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 All right. No worries about that. Um, another project that you had that I didn't know about until the other night was you marketed literal Gator guns. Yeah. Right. There's one right there. Oh, there's a Gator gun right over there. Yeah. It looks kind of like a bullhorn. And you could literally buy them. That is the original from the movie right there. Wow, that's amazing. You can't see that in you the have podcast. It in a, we'll that, take a picture of it. Okay. Because I like to take pictures of things. Okay. Yeah, so I made this movie called Gaydar, which yes. is about a device that tells whether people are straight or gay. Right. And it did, like, crazy well. Charles Nelson Riley was in it. He played my uncle. The best. The last on-screen film role he had. What's, tell me your favorite Charles Nelson Riley story. He was my acting teacher. He's so good, right? I loved him so much. I just loved him so much. I mean, like, it, ugh, such a great teacher. But on set, uh, we were, oh, God, Gaydar. We had a really fantastic 35 miller. 35 millimeter Panavision camera. Holy shit. Like the real thing. Okay. Uh, because my uh, friend that I did it with, Larry LaFond, his partner was a DP and he's like, okay, I have my camera. We'll shoot my camera. Okay. So we can't afford anything but short ends, which are the tiny little bits of film left over when a real company does a take and they don't have enough film to do the next take. Right. So it's like, you know, you might have 30 seconds or you might have a minute and a half or whatever. Right. So we're filming one short end. I love that you made a whole movie on short ends. We totally did. And and we had to, you know, change film every take, which (laughs) is a long thing, right? This is pre-digital. Yes. 
Oh, and quickly about that camera. Yeah. That camera later was proven to be the camera that shot Star Wars, and they sold it for over half a million dollars, the highest price ever paid for a camera. That was the Gator camera. And you had no idea? How did you find that out? The owner, he did. I mean, Mark, who, who was the DP, he had suspected, but then he used serial numbers and research and was able to prove it. And um, so it was proven. Wow. Yes. You so, and Princess Leia and Han Solo. On the same camera. That's right. amazing. So anyway, this this um, um, thing was popular. It, it played in over 120 film festivals around the world, which is a lot. Amazing. And, um, and, and won a lot of awards. And uh, people were like, I want a Gator gun. I want a Gator gun. I want my own Gator gun. And then my right. brother came to me, Brett, my brother Brett Ray. He was like, um, let's make this. Let's make it a toy. And I'm like, really? And we did and you'd see it turned out terrific it says 650 different things but it came out uh fall of 2008 when the economy died and um no one spent any money for christmas that year and we couldn't because for some weird reason we were being censored because of the word gun we couldn't buy an ad we couldn't advertise it no one would you mean you couldn't buy an ad on television no no yeah there, there is. I, we couldn't get it. We couldn't get an ad on Facebook. We couldn't buy an ad because of the word "gun" because everything is automatically done. Right. And we were censored because of the word "gun." And we, so we tried to get a real person. It's like this isn't a real gun. This doesn't even look like a gun. It's like a megaphone. It looks looking. like a bullhorn. Yeah, it doesn't look like you're going to get hurt by it in right. any way. But they that word "gun" killed us, and and because we couldn't get ads, and the economy was bad, so it didn't it didn't fly. But. It's a good product and people really like it. So, and it says sixty, six hundred and fifty different things. Six hundred and fifty different things. Did you say them all? Are I wrote the- them all, and they all had to be forty-eight characters less. I had a forty-eight character less, six hundred fifty jokes about that sexuality in that many letters. Is it's it just really one voice that does the jokes? Is it, you know, or does, it says it out loud, or does it print it out? It does both. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a screen, and then my voice says it, and it's your voice. Yes. Wow. And um, and I I recorded all six hundred fifty without any. Second takes. One take? On <laughs> one every take. One of them? One take. Does I, he sound just like you, the Gator voice? I, 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 let me see. We'll bring the, it over here. Let me see if the batteries are working. I'm okay. Sure. I can't remember. Hopefully they're on. Uh, oh, it's almost, it flashed. I think my batteries are dead because I haven't had, oh, here, maybe. Uh, no. It's almost, the batteries are dying, so they won't finish the same. I know, so they want to, any more out and you'll be... In the next room. I, I love it. <laughs> was it fun to record and make and, and put together? Yeah, I mean... Because I it's not just, a, like, a, an acting project or something. It's, like, uh, fabricating and prototypes and My factories. brother went to China. He did all that. There's all these plans, like, uh, uh, the making the molds, making... Oh, God, I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. And it costs so much money to make the first run. So you can't make money off the first run. You have to have a second run to make money in. Well, second run didn't... Actually, you're sitting underneath this building... Uh, is packed with Gator guns, and Jim J. Bullock said the last thing that he will hear after an earthquake is, earthquake, crash, you're so gay, eating fruitcake would be cannibalism, dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, I think they're awesome. They're, they're really fun and enchanting. And, and what did you learn from that experience? Because it's a different kind of out, out, uh, output than... Uh, an acting or writing thing. Oh, God, it's so different. I mean, I'm, I think I learned that I'm not a marketing person yeah. because that is a whole skill. And I, by default, had to be- become the marketing thing. And I did everything I could think of. I, 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 if you go on um, 
If you go on YouTube, you will see hundreds of gaydar gun videos that I have shot celebrities with or like pictures celebrities. I had people write in and, and I would do everything I could to make it popular. Right. <laughs> and I like, I, I was in bed with Cloris Leachman and shot her in bed with a gaydar gun. I've done different stars like that. And, um, and I kept getting censored. And so I had hundreds of thousands of views on, on YouTube uh, and very popular. And then YouTube pulled everyone down because they said it, somebody said it was offensive there's not a dirty word. And then I had to do it all over again. And then they got pulled down again. Oh my God. And they got pulled down four times. They got pulled down four times. And they're all, all my viewers were gone. All the connections that people had made when they, when they like yeah. linked it to articles. I just couldn't, I couldn't win with that. I just really couldn't, couldn't. catch a fucking break with no. the gator. The only thing that was great was Rosie O'Donnell put it on her show. That's cool. Her old talk show or is this the one that show? was on own? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that, like prompted a, a giant bunch of sales for from that, but that was really the only break I got. Right, uh, just couldn't do it. I love it. You make yeah. so many different things happen. You always got your finger in things. I think I'm kind of like that in terms of generating and yeah. stuff like that. How do you uh, keep it together? How do you not? How do you not get uh, disillusioned? Or how do you? How do you roll with the the tough stuff? I don't. I, I guess I'm just basically optimistic. I think that's uh, so good. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I get, you know, I, I think the other secret is to always have tons of projects happening because if you're waiting on one, you go crazy. Right. So uh, I learned that lesson. It's like, you think, oh, this is going to happen. So I wait. And then that doesn't work because you get really frustrated. So you get that going and then you start something else. And then when that gets going, it's like, okay, back to that. So that's my secret. It's like, you got to keep a million things going because there's a lot of waiting that happens. Were you ever tempted to just do something else? Screw this. I'm going to do something else. I wish I think I would be happy doing something else, but I know I wouldn't be. Yeah. So... What was really helpful to me was when I started writing. I didn't start writing until like 1999. Right. So you were thinking more of an act, more of yourself as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Waiting for the script oh, to I come. I hated waiting for that phone to ring. Yeah. And so then making my own projects has been really liberating. And I don't even care about auditioning for one line on something anymore. It's like whatever. I got my own stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, whether that gives me five cents or not, that's besides the point. But um, right. um, I'm just enjoying doing my thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. What's been your favorite sort of sitcom or, or guest part to do? Because I know you've done a, a, a lot of them. My, I think my favorite uh, was I got to do the original Ellen show. When she was, okay, when it was Jolie Fisher and Ellen and yeah, Jeremy Piven. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a huge fan and um, I was so excited to get that part. And um, <laughs> I, I, you didn't get to rehearse. I didn't get to rehearse. My part wasn't big enough to rehearse with Ellen. Um, so I rehearsed without her. Uh, what was your scene? It was, um, well, I have to I'll tell you the whole story and you'll get okay. it. But um, so um, I was a guy who was interviewing for a job in her uh, bookstore. So um, I had like a, a, a nice little scene, maybe oh, like. So, that's so 90s. The, 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 her job was having a bookstore. Right. Like, they don't even exist anymore, practically. I know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so when we did it, like, I had maybe like, you know, 10 lines, but it was like, you know, quick answering stuff. Yeah. So uh, we did it, and, um, and, and she broke, she laughed. Which I guess was rare, and she 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 said she said in general, yeah, she said okay, you're good, and so we had to do it again, 
and then and then we uh, then they told me there's gonna you're gonna do it once you're gonna stick with the script she's gonna stick with the script and gonna do it again and you're gonna stick with the script and she's gonna say whatever she wants so um, so that was great that she so she didn't because she hadn't rehearsed with you she had no idea what you were gonna do or right so she yeah. she ruined the take by laughing which That's was so good. fun yeah that she did that. And, you know, in front of the audience. But, and, then, and then they have a series of other people interviewing for the same job. So my scene was the biggest, and then each interview after that got shorter and shorter until, like, the last person had one line. So yeah. like, there was a little section of that. And um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it was my first, like, big sitcom thingy for me. It was a big thing. So, of course, I told everybody that I was on it. And um, they had a big party for me for screening. And then the entire plot line got cut. Oh, my God. Yeah. The entire plot line got cut. So, no, not on it. That's so heartbreaking. <laughs> I was just talking to this actress friend that I'm acquainted with who um, who shot uh, something on Ballers that was a long scene. And when yeah. it aired, it was literally like five seconds. And oh, she was God. like, you know. That is such a hard lesson. My, to the, not have the party. Because uh, you want to have the party. Don't have the party. Don't have the party. <laughs> don't have the party. Until the DVD comes out. Maybe. <laughs> Party. Maybe but, that's the name of this podcast. Okay, but here I'll tell a I'll tell a story I shouldn't tell. But uh, the, my very first show, I lo- well, you got the nice mics out. You might yeah, as well tell. Right, it. right. Since it's virginal, yeah, I'll dirty it up a little. <laughs> um, so my very first show was in Living Color that I got, for, and um, I was in a I was in a I was in a sketch with Chris Rock. And do you remember what? Do you remember that show? Mm-hmm. He used to do a character called Cheap Pete. He would he vaguely would, he would talk about something and say how much does that cost, and he'd say about good. Lord, and then yeah. he'd like something. So it was a scene in a restaurant with Cheap Pete, and oh, this is a true story, so I can't get in that much trouble. Um, all at rehearsal, um, he kept calling me um, White Boy, which was fine. I didn't care. I didn't care, yeah. right? So um, he and, thinks you're youthful, yeah, something, so, right? And and I was back then, but um, but I didn't care. And I do not know what made me do this. It just came out of my mouth. And he screamed, hey, white boy. And I went, what, black boy? And he said, oh, don't you ever call me black boy. And I'm like, oh, I, I just thought you were kidding because, like, you know, my name isn't white boy. My name's Terry. And there was dead silence. And everybody from the crew, like, was just, like, glued. All the cast oh was glued. <laughs> So uncomfortable. I know, right? And I don't know why I said it. I mean, what I didn't are you care. Supposed to say, I like, didn't care. I didn't care that he said that about me. And and, and and of course, you know, you're just trying to get in the spirit of it. And he did. I I just I don't know why I said it. But oh my god, everybody knew my name, and they were so friendly to me yeah. after that. Terry, do you want to? Do you yeah, you get some lunch, Terry. Terry, yeah. So everybody said Terry in every sentence. And then when it was time to, to film, I mean, I think that I think Chris Rock was okay. I mean, it wasn't. He wasn't trying to be racist at all, and it was just that it just happened. But then, um, when we were shooting in front of the audience, that he said it, it in the in the section of the scene with me, he said a line that was funnier than it was written, and, and um, the censor said he couldn't do it, and he was not happy, and he walked off the set, and um, the audience is there. And I'm like, oh god, this is my first day of ever, and I've said the, you know, I had the whole scene of the, I mean, the rehearsal. And this is your first big, first time on network television. Yeah, yeah. So I said the thing in rehearsal. Everybody liked me, but I don't know about Chris Rock. I don't know if he liked me, but he was nice about it later. But it's like then, but now, now it's my scene, and he's 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 walked, walked out. Side. It took an hour, and the audience was like. Um, 
uh, it's just sitting there and it was just so bad. And he came back and he said the line is written, but he said it like this monotone. He so, wanted to, he wanted to do the right line and just do it in a way that they wouldn't want to use it. So the whole thing got cut. Yeah. So I got cut from that too. God damn it. So that didn't air either. And you're trying to build a reel. I know. I know. I look like a big extra in that yeah. because I'm set up. Like the camera yeah. follows me at the beginning and I'm set up. I get residuals from it, but it's like, well, so that was my first two experiences. Yeah. Wonder, wonder why you were, uh, why did I want to write your own yes. stuff? Yes. Um, one of the things we were talking about earlier made me think I was in this course recently and they were talking about that ex- expression when your ship comes in, waiting for your ship to come in. Yeah. And I'm going to mangle this whole idea, but I guess it originated during a time when a lot of ships didn't come back from going off to get, you know, spices and, you know, when right. they, they would send them away from Europe or whatever. And they might, they probably wouldn't come back. So you had to send out a lot of ships to get <laughs> one to come in. And that mindset of like, oh, you got to throw a lot of shit. You got to throw out a lot of ships. Yeah. Yeah. They're not waiting for one ship. If you wait for one ship. That ship may be sunk down in the Caribbean. You it's know? got barnacles on it. It's you got barnacles <laughs> by it. Now, you don't know. So you got to keep sending out a bunch of ships. You do. That That's is my point. And you do the same thing. I do, but my, fuck my arms, the rowing. Oh, I know. It's I exhausting. It. <laughs> it is. All right. Mending those sails. Oh, yeah, God. But yeah. I bought new microphones. These Maybe microphones seriously. are jamming. All right. They I mean, are. You picked a lot of fun questions from the observation deck, so we're going to rattle through them. Oh, wow. What's the worst costume you've ever had to wear for work? Uh, I, 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 for real, for a real job, it was, I had to, uh, work at McDonald's and I smelled like McDonald's, but I was in college. So I had to go to class with my McDonald's uniform on, which was humiliating. You would wear, you wore it to class. I, cause I would work for an hour and have a class, work for an hour, have class, but I wouldn't, I take it off, but I'd always be late and it would smell like hamburgers yeah. and it was just awful. Yeah. You could take yeah. the boy out of the McDonald's, but, but you could can, ta- take, can't that take that smell, smell out. out. No. <laughs> What's something your family did that you didn't realize was unconventional until you were a grown up? Okay, they used. My mom used to call my brother and I "baby girl goose eggs" if we were pouty, and I thought everybody said that. <laughs> and so, like one time, I called somebody a "baby girl goose egg," and they were like, "What did you say?" And I'm like, "You don't know that." It's like, no, it's not a thing. No, it's not a thing. So yeah, baby girl. We, like we still like. That's I, hilarious. Yeah. Being a baby girl goose egg, do you ever say to you, think to yourself, I'm being a baby girl goose egg, oh. I need to snap out of this. Act. Always, yeah. Because yeah. baby girl goose, goose egg is the a last thing you totally be. thing in our family. And yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's the most famous or memorable person you've been in an elevator with? Uh, uh, the elevator experience that comes to mind first is Kay Ballard. Uh, I was squeezing into an elevator with her, and she was not happy that all these people, she was like, she had a little breakdown. She's like, there are too many people in this elevator. (laughs) And she was not happy about it. And I was like, I wasn't the one that squeezed in. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you got, you managed to get out of there okay. Yeah, it was only one floor, but she, she she was not happy about that. I talked to a friend of mine who wasn't doing the podcast, but that question came up. I use this as an example. And he told the funniest story. He was, he's a straight guy, a musician, and he was doing a show at Radio City Music Hall, some kind of show. And he was, I don't know, backstage or whatever. He got in the elevator and right before it closed, about 15 Rockettes joined oh the elevator. Oh my God. Oh yeah. And he's a straight guy in his twenties. Like he thought he had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, I'm in the elevator with all these Rockettes. And it went up one floor. And then they all got out. He thought he at least have a few floors with them, but they didn't. But I like but the Kate Ballard story. Kate was not, she wasn't happy about it. 
But she remembered it. <laughs> what did you get picked on for as a kid? Oh, being gay. I was called, so my name is Terry Ray. I was called Fairy Gay. Oh, shit. And it would sound like my name and I would answer. And it made everybody giggle. And I could. Uh, where'd you grow up? Ohio. What town? When I was, uh, well, uh, a suburb of Columbus, Grove City, Ohio. Right on. Yeah. That must have been a fucking not fun. Yeah, but you know what? I, like, um, I don't remember. The people who did that, I didn't know. They were the people I didn't know. Right. Because so I went to a really big school. It didn't define you in any meaningful yeah. way. And so uh, what's interesting is uh, electricity is going to go to Columbus. <gasps> How fun. In a really big theater. So I haven't done a play Are you going to do it there? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I get to go to Columbus and do electricity. And I haven't been there since, to act since I was a teenager. So in all my hot classmates. And can all come. It'll be so healing and... I just hope they think that Humble, none of them think that, boy made good that I'm talking about them in the play because I'm right. not. Right. <laughs> I'm That's not. So exciting. <laughs> I thought I forgot about something I wanted to ask you about. You on Logo named you the third funniest gayest moment on game shows or something like that. The what, what, what was it? New now next? It was one of those websites. It was El- after Elton. After Elton. Okay. Uh, yes, I was on Scrabble in the okay. in the um, in the eighties. Oh, I watched it. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was it was I was memorable. I was um, I outed myself basically on TV because this is the eighties and you didn't do that, right? And um, um, <laughs> uh, so Not yes, if you wanted to go to the bonus round. You, you didn't. did no, I did go to the bonus I round. Know, yeah, you crushed it. Uh, but uh, yes, I it was named the third gayest moment in the history of game shows after Charles Nelson Riley and Paul N. So that was that's pretty heaven. Company. Yes, yeah. So you can see that moment if you go to uh, YouTube and go Terry Ray Scrabble. I watched it, but here's what I love about your moment: it wasn't just one moment; it had beats. Like then Chuck could bring something up again. Like you and Chuck. Had this whole, it yeah. was very me cute. Right. It was straight out of You've Got Mail. He, he sent me a message later that I was his favorite contestant. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. So Chuck was good. I mean, I know he's really conservative and stuff, but he was, he was nice to me. I have to say he was very nice to me. And, um, and it, like, the, like you can see later on uh, other clips that like he even let me do their commercials and stuff. He just kind of gave it over to me and just let me rule. So for four, and, and, and it was crazy how many people, uh, watched Scrabble and recognized that. I, I The first thing I did was I had never had a stereo and, you know, stereos were massive in those days, you know, like a million pieces. The, st- the speakers right. were, you know, as big as... Components. Uh, yes, huge. You could barely put one in a car. So I, the first thing I did is I went to Circuit City to buy a stereo. I'm like, yeah. I am going to have a stereo because I won money. And I'm pushing the cart to my car and there is a gang, a gang of, uh, like, uh, a Mexican guys walking straight towards me and I'm like, I'm going to get right. held up in the, this parking, is in the lot parking lot right? of Circuit City. Yeah. yeah. They, and and like, it wasn't like they weren't looking at me. They were going straight for me. And um, and right at the last second, right to they get to me, they go, Terry from Scrabble. Like the last people you think would watch Scrabble. Like this gang. And they were so sweet. And they helped me put the, the stereo in my car. That's such a great story. Yeah. It was like, uh, don't judge because these guys were watching Scrabble, you know? Well, what was so winning about it was that you weren't trying to be funny. You weren't there to do Stick, you wanted to win. Oh, so I wanted but to win. you were in the moment and funny, and I, I don't know. I just thought it was. I could see why people loved it. Is my point. Oh, thanks. How many game shows have you been on? Uh, I, 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 three. Have you ever spun the big wheel on Prices Right? No. I really want to do that. I don't need to win. I just want to feel it in my arms. I'm you know? scared of it. Or the, or the wheel of fortune. That would be fun too. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I've never gotten to do a physical activity like that. Yeah. Except push a button. 
Push up. That's important, though. Yeah, I get it. So you were on Scrabble? I was on Scrabble. I was on Boggle, and um, which was, who knows, that was just, it was Wink Martindale, but nobody saw that. Yeah. I did a Wink show called did Jumble. Oh, wow. Did you, you win? a fart joke. I did. I won a trip to New Orleans and some diamond earrings for the oh, lady in my life. I won, uh, on Boggle, I won a trip to... Uh, St. Martin. Nice. And his and hers watches, which I gave the hers to my mommy. That's so perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I love a game show. I like to win. Oh, here we go. Have you ever won anything like the lottery or a game show prize? Uh, We just answered that one, yeah. I know. What was your favorite toy as a kid? Um, This is embarrassing, but I really like my Easy Bake Oven. Yeah, because it could cook something with a light bulb. You could cook something with a light bulb. <laughs> and I got it because cause I was afraid to ask for the gay stuff. But right. for some reason, I thought I could ask Santa. And this was pushed. It was on the line, but it was, in the, it was, it was on the safe side of the line. You no, know, I, I asked Santa for dolls and stuff yeah. like that, too. Yeah, but I never asked anybody but Santa for that stuff. I just thought that he would hook me up. I trusted him. And he always did. That's amazing. Which was like my mama doing that. But here's a little story about Quickie, about my mama. She was yeah. so naive when she got married. She was from Kentucky and she was the oldest in her family. She's the only one that graduated from high school before she got married, but she was 17 when she got, uh, you know, that first married. And so that first Christmas when she was, had, you know, her, that being married, Santa didn't come. And that was the first time she realized there wasn't one. Oh my God. So she was like, thought, you know, she was married and still thought Santa might come. Yeah. Wow. So like, so Santa really delivered for me. So yeah. and if I asked for the dolls, I got them. You got them. Yeah. That's something to put in a TV movie. Yeah. The woman who believed in Christmas after she was married. <laughs> that's a Christmas movie. <laughs> if they would let me write that. I know. Don't be funny though. It's a oh, comedy. God, no. Don't, yeah. I don't have flaws. Yeah. What's the worst job you ever had? I was secretary to a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog fired me. <laughs> We have a title. We have a title for this podcast. <laughs> what? How? Break it down. Okay. Yeah. So there was this very uh, uh, large woman uh, who had an interior decorating job in um, in, uh, in in pumps in, in Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills, and I was hired for one day to be a temp. And uh, the dog had a desk, and uh, there was a dog was in the office. And I'm like, I like dogs. And the dog was liking me. And she said, oh, Gabby likes you. Gabby wants to hire you. And I'm like, Well, that's great, but I'm I'm an actor, and so I can't take a real job. It's like, No, but Gabby can work around your schedule. So um, so Gabby hired me to be his assistant, which meant really all I did was talk to him about ducks and farmers because he really liked stories about ducks and farmers. He would look at, pay attention, and he was super crazy smart. The dog was very, very smart. <laughs> and one time we had to fly to San Francisco, and, and this lady, I said, is very, 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 very large. And so they, the, the people in the plane at the airport said, she only bought one ticket. What are you supposed to do? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. She's my boss. I don't know how this works. And um, they said, well, she, this plane sold out. And um, I said, well... I don't know what to do. They said, well, you, we can let you sit in our jump seat in the back with us. And so I just lifted the thing up and said, I'm afraid. She never acknowledged that she was large and um, that she could sit in both seats. And, um, and she got stuck in the aisle and uh, broke a rib. <laughs> oh, my God. So when we The got story to- gets crazier. So- and crazy. Well, it's crazy. So we get to San Francisco. She can't go back because she's got a broken rib. So she's got to stay in San Francisco. So Gabby and I fly back to LA. So we're having a great old time just hanging out. Right. Talking about dogs and whatever, <laughs> like no pressure. And then I have to fly back to San Francisco to see her. So Gabby flies in this entire environment cage thing. And so I take him and to the airport and we get on the plane. I get off the plane in San Francisco. No Gabby. No Gabby. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm like, you guys, you don't understand. You just got to find this dog. And Gabby went to Vancouver. <laughs> I can't tell this lady that because she will die of a heart attack. So I have to keep saying, we missed the plane. We missed the plane. Missed the plane. Can't get on the next plane. So I'm like, get me this dog back. And so when I get Gabby and I get him out of that environment, oh, boyfriend has an attitude. He yeah. is not happy. He's not the same Gabby. He has been in that cage way too long and yeah. it's my fault. It's my fault. So I drive him to see, see the lady and he's, he's not looking at me. I'm telling every duck and farmer story I can think of. He is not looking at me. And when I pick him up to take her, take him to see her, when, as soon as he sees her, he peed all over me. Oh my God. And she said, <gasps> Gabby has fired you. And you know what he did? He did it on purpose. <laughs> he fired you. So I was left with a pea-soaked shirt in San Francisco, no plane ticket back, and I got fired by the dog. And they wouldn't even fly you back? No, I just got, I was just like... How long was that whole stint with that woman and It Gabby? was like maybe three months. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That is nuts. It was crazy. Have you ever written about that? Not like no a short story. No, or I need to. I need yeah. to because I just that was a very condensed version. There is a lot. There's a whole. There's a whole David Hasselhoff subplot which we're not going to get into right now. Holy shit! We'll have to do a part two. Any skinny dipping stories? I like the skinny dip. I'm a skinny dipper. I, but when I went, I went to St. Martin. Right. And um, and there was this nude beach, but it was down these cliffs. And I'm like, okay, let's let's do this. So, but we, I made the big mistake of leaving my clothes at the top of the cliff. Oh yeah, yeah. And then so walk down. Then you had to climb back up. And I'm like, there's nobody there. And you know, like the, the waves were soaking wet. And it's like, and then all of a sudden, all these people like see us and stand by our clothes, like touristy people, like waiting, waiting, waiting. Who are you with? I was with my friend Kevin, who lives on the end of the building here. Okay. And um, so yeah, I had to like do the walk of shame and go all the way up the hill <laughs> while people watched. And, At least they did probably didn't have phones. Like they would have, they today. still had cameras. They did. They were cameras. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's the most unprofessional behavior you've ever witnessed on a job? <laughs> I was my first movie. You heard about my first TV. Yeah. My first movie, uh, was this, I got it because I, I had no body fat cause I looked like I was starving in Vietnam in the uh, in prison. So I was a, a, a prisoner of war. Right. And I was literally tied to a tree for real by my neck and behind my arms. And, um, <laughs> they forgot me at lunch. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Left me tied to the tree. But that night I had to stay with another actor in a room. I had to share a room. What was the movie? Uh, night Wars. Okay. Uh, uh, it's terrible, but, uh, what's, what's the guy? Uh, Grizzly Adams. Dan Haggerty. Dan Haggerty was in it. Okay. Okay. So, um, that night I had to share a room with another actor and he's like, dude, we're on location. I got, I, I got, I got a hooker. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he, he had hired a hooker. Hired a, we had to share a room and he had a hooker and I had to like turn around and just stare at the wall the whole night and like, God, oh my God. and then went back to my tree. Oh, and what they did for, <laughs> what they did for makeup what they did for makeup is they had me put on an army uniform and they took a board with rusty nails sticking out of it while I was wearing it and ripped it to pieces and then poured motor oil over my head and told me to roll in the dirt. Jesus H. That is what I, that was my first movie, but I was like, I'm making a movie. <laughs> I'm going to go get back to my tree. And he literally banged the hooker all night. All night. Wow. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Uh, what was your lowest point professionally? 
<laughs> that was I said that as, as cheerfully as I could. <laughs> uh, I think uh, crapping my pants <laughs> in a frog costume. <laughs> What was the situation? <laughs> I was making a movie called Hell Comes to Frogtown, which okay. is really, I'm proud to say, was once listed as one of the worst movies ever made. And it was a wrestler that was in the lead. And it was these guys that, um, after World War III, uh, reptiles ruled. And they were like big frogs. And they was like, we're at a bar. And there was like a, like a, a Mae West kind of frog on the, working the bar. And I had like a line. But I was waiting all day. I was in this frog outfit. And it was like this intense mask thing. And you couldn't see a thing. And we were shooting in this factory that looked like it had been bombed. Okay? Right. So it was just, just chaos. And the trailers were so far away. And I was waiting, 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 waiting for my, that was going to do my line. And I'm like, I've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, i got to go to the bathroom. And, like, I have big hand things on. Big, I can only see, like, barely straight ahead. And um, my head is massive. And I have literally the shoes that they had on Planet of the Apes. So they had, like, big thumbs that would, you would trip over if you right. were. You know, so, so I'm like, I got to go. And um, so I get, like, I'm panicked. I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm, like, you know, like, trying to go through debris and things. Like, I'm, like, a, just a big thing. There's nobody with me. And I'm trying to see. And I can't see down. And... I get to this little trailer, which barely, the bathroom in the trailer barely fits my head, right? My head is so massive that I can barely fit. I can't turn my head. I make it. But when I got up, I realized my costume was in the toilet. Part of my costume had been in the toilet. So you... Crapped oh, on my costume. You crapped on your... You, you didn't think you were crapping your pants, and yet you were crapping your I pants? I crapped on my pants, is what I should have said. <laughs> So what happens now? You have to go back to the set? Yes, they're waiting on me. So I'm, I'm like, I, I, I gotta, like, find the thing and, like, take the hands off and, like, try do to do it in the, little, in the little trailer yeah. sink and, like, rinse the best oh I can. I can't take anything off. I have to turn yeah. and, and, and try to clean it. And um, I did the best I could without being able to see down. And, um, and then when I get back to the set, the, the, they were waiting on me. The wardrobe lady's like, oh, you're, you're, it was like a raggy kind of thing. It was like a right. raggy tunic. And uh, she said, oh, your, your costume's all wet. And I'm like, I know I spilled 7-Up. I should have said, like, why didn't they say Coke? I said 7-Up. I said, spill 7-Up all over it. And she said, oh, it's fine. Nobody will notice. There I you got go. away with it. Good. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that that yeah, did not. I got away with it. Oh, so, right. the, so, But now they know. Great. Right now. Now it's out. Mm. Have you ever been starstruck? Oh, yeah, 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 lots. I remember one time I was walking down a hallway at a, I was going to an audition and it was on a lot and Jack Nicholson was coming towards me and I'm like, I just stopped walking. Yeah. And I just stared at him like an idiot. I mean, I just didn't walk. I just stood there and stared and he looked at me like, don't talk, don't talk. Yeah. As he's coming towards me, like, don't talk. Those are like the guys at Crunch. Yeah. The gym. Don't talk to me. Don't, Don't talk. say anything. Don't even think about it. And I wasn't going to. I yeah. just I just couldn't walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. Any limousine adventures? <laughs> I, uh, one time I was treated, one weekend I was treated like a celebrity and I turned into Judy Garland. It Did just, you? Yes. It's ridiculously Did awful. Did you overindulge? I didn't mean to. <laughs> I'm not that kind of person <laughs> at all. But, um. Because of the Gator Gun and the Gator thing, that Denver, Denver invited me to 
be the, like this big guest star, like I don't know, somebody in Denver thought I was famous, right? Uh, to, for their this gay celebration, so I was brought there, and they they took me around in the limousine to all these different gay bars, and they had these hot hot guys in the limousine with me, and every bar they like, here's your drink, and I'm like. Okay, so it was like a drink at every bar, right? And like these guys were super hot, and and but and they were like acting like they liked me because they thought I was famous. But I'm like, oh, they don't really like me, so I'm just like, you know, I'm not going there. And um, and so then I I am drunk, but I get back to my hotel room and I'm like, ah, oh, this is gross. But I'm a horrible sleeper at the time, so I pop an Ambien or two, right? <laughs> so like drunk and pop in the Ambien to go to sleep. And as soon as I do that, knock on the door. And there is this, one of the, like, my favorite hot guy standing in the doorway. And I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I just wanted to see you. One second later, he's naked. And I'm like, is, That's he, a, amazing. is he a prostitute? Yeah. So, uh, so I'm like, I'm not in, uh, no, I can't, not a, pro- no, no prostitute. I can't do this. But he just climbed in the bed and fell asleep. And I'm like, okay, sleep on this other side of the bed and in the morning he gets up and he's like so what do you want to do and I'm like I go to breakfast I want to go to breakfast and they're like let's just, just go to breakfast <laughs> and um so we go to breakfast and then I see the people who run the thing and I'm like you guys you didn't need to do that with the guy and they were like do what I'm like how'd that guy come over to my uh, my hotel room he's like we didn't and I'm like so he was there because he wanted to be there uh-huh he wasn't paid to be there no like, can we rewind Can this? we do this again? Because I did it all wrong. Oh, I know. With the Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, so nothing happened. And I was like, oh, this is what I do with my weekend of fame. Yeah. Drunk and on Ambien. Mm-hmm. That was... Oh, man. You've had a lot of adventures. You gotta. <laughs> if you had to change careers tomorrow, what would you do? I, I think archaeologist. Really? That's what I, I was like. Was, it was combo when I was a kid, like three years old. I want to be an actor, an archaeologist. I love archaeology. I'd love to go on a dig. I think it'd be so cool. Ruins and oh, artifacts. God. I'd love it. Yeah, that's cool. If you're going to appear in an infomercial, what would the product be? Gator guns. Yeah. You got them. That's easy. Yeah. Everything yeah. must go. I don't want Jim J to die on one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How did you learn the facts of life? My mother never told me, but when I was 18, she gave me a Boy Scout manual that said how, how it worked. Okay. And said, read that. I wasn't even in the Boy Scouts, but I yeah. just I read the manual. When you read it, was it new to you? Yeah, I didn't really understand any of the girl stuff. Oh, okay. Because I had no curiosity about it at all. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's good. Have you ever written a fan letter or an email? Yes. I, um, the Christopher Durang. Yeah, the playwright. Yeah, I loved him. And so I, I saw him do a play with Gene Smart, and I'm like, I love him so much, I'm going to write him a fan mail. And a fan letter and I wrote a, I tried to write a funny one and he wrote back because he was amused by my letter and then I wrote him back and then he wrote me back so we had like this little letter exchange with like my favorite playwright so I was playing pen pals yeah for a little bit when would this have been it had to be it was the 90s sometime that's awesome I don't remember when but that's yeah cool back when you had to write a letter back when that was the thing mm-hmm. describe your most unfortunate haircut <laughs> well back when I had hair I didn't, I, 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 I wasted a lot of quality times with it because I didn't have quality haircuts. And one time I was really poor in college. Right. And so I thought, oh, I can cut my own hair. That was <laughs> not. You're saving money. And I didn't have a really good mirror or anything yeah. like that. And so it was super crooked. And then I tried to do it again. So then I basically wound up like, like with like 
half-inch bangs that went straight across my head with, like, long, shaggy hair on the side. It was not a good look. It's not a good look. No. But you know what? You save some money. But there's a picture of that somewhere. And it's, there like, is? It's not pretty. What's the coolest thing you've ever gotten for free? A trip to Africa. What? Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. How did was, that happen? My good friend, she she wanted to go to Africa and um, on a safari, and her husband didn't want to go, and she said, you'll be fun. You Let's go. And... When was this? It was 2003. I've always wanted to go on a safari. Was it incredible? It was the best trip ever, 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 ever. I mean, like, there's just... The things that you don't think about is like, okay, you're in safari. But there could be literally a wild animal at any moment. And But yeah. you're just there. You're, like, in the tent and you're with a jeep or whatever. It's like, okay, you have to go to the bathroom. It's like, they'll, they'll stop the jeep and go, okay, behind that bush. And I'm like, but you actually don't know what's behind that bush, do you? No. I'm like... I don't have to go to the bathroom anymore. But um, there was just a lot of, like... Like, one time I woke up, and I didn't hear a thing. I didn't hear a thing. But an elephant had pooped, had put his butt there onto the side of the, the canvas, a little piece of canvas, and pooped down the side of the where my head was laying. And I In didn't, your tent. And I didn't even hear it. Yeah. An elephant pooped a half <laughs> you, a centimeter from my head. Through, you could sleep through a lot. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. incredible. And what's scariest were baboons. Baboons were the scariest. They they had big teeth, and they're in a tree right above you, and they're right there, and they have really big fangy teeth, and they come down at night, and and it's like it's like a vampire movie. They have little human hands, and they just push on the tent, and you see this little handprint, and you know they're right there with their big teeth, and they're just pushing on the tent. You're in a fucking tent. You're not in like a little barracks or anything. You no, were we were on, we were in the Serengeti. In a tent. It was great. Did your friend have a great time? Yes. She was dying of cancer. And that oh was her God. last big trip. And, and it was her birthday. And we, I was able to have the guys in the thing make her a cake. And it was the best experience. It was the best trip. Um, and she got to do that before she died. So that was really cool. That's really beautiful. Fran Lance. She was a great child, a children's book writer. I love that. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like... A, what a gift to, to, to do for free or whatever, but yeah. also like to, to be the person that she wanted to share this memorable thing with. It was it must have been very moving. The best. It was such oh. a great trip. Yeah. And the last pic- uh, question you picked from the deck, when was the first time you saw a dirty magazine or a video? <laughs> I was in a play called It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. It's a musical. Okay. It was the 70s. I was a kid. Okay. And it, one of the girls that was in the cast, I was just in the chorus, she, in her scene, she had a... Um, a Playboy magazine, a Playgirl, Playgirl mm-hmm. magazine. And she put it in her desk. And I was like, I can't see that magazine. I want to see it so bad. Uh, but I could never find a way to be alone enough to look in that magazine. Right. But there was a fire. The theater burned. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, it was like this horrible flash fire. Your stories are... <laughs> Insane. I'm like, there was the marquee still there. It's like, it's a bird. It's a plane of Superman. It's all like, like burnt out. But, um, and it was like, it was surprising what can survive a fire. So it's like, you know, the, the walls were there, but there was so many things like a piano melted, but there was a poster on the wall that was fine. But there was her desk, which was charred, but there was the drawer that she kept that magazine in. And I'm like, I wonder if the magazine yeah. survived the fire. So I get there and I'm like, I open that drawer and, just looking to see what survived. What well, no, I, it, was, it was a sneaky moment. Oh, sneaky moment. It was there. And, and, and it had been wet because it had been, you know, doused with water by the fire people. Right. And we were cleaning up. And um, so I got it. And somehow I squirreled it away. And I got it home under my bed. And um, 
<laughs> the girl, she went to look in this thing. And she's like, where is my magazine? You got it home. Yeah. But, so she, but then it smelled so bad like fire. Yeah. Like it reeked. Yeah. But I got to look at it. You got it. Do you remember? You could remember. I remember like turns of phrase from dirty magazines I saw when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Her huge breasts fell to freedom. They fell to freedom, Terry. They can be free around me. I don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna imprison. I love those it. So you got it home. I got a home. I got were a, you out of high school. When were you? No, I was in high school. You were in high school. I was in high school, but it smelled really, really bad. Yeah. It's like you can't. I couldn't yeah. keep it. How bad did you want it? I had to look at it, but it, like it smelled like a ball of charcoal. <laughs> You could do it. That's so crazy. All right. This has been so fun to talk to you. Thanks, you have Dennis. such good stories. Tell people uh, where they can get information if they happen to be in Palm Springs about your play. Okay. Well, all things electricity is electricitytheplay.com. And uh, you can also see Electricity's uh, the play on Facebook, but electricitytheplay.com. Nice. And we're coming up on November uh, 9, 10, 11. Our next date's there, and hopefully we'll get some more soon. How fun. Yes. So please come. It's a, uh, for everybody listening. It's, it's really a, a unique experience of, of a way to see a, a really yeah. fun story. And uh, for me, I have, um, uh, let's see, what's, I have uh, terryray.com. Right on. My website. I am on uh, Instagram as TerryRay906. I'm on Twitter as GatorGun. And I'm on Facebook as, as me, Terry Ray. There you go. All right. Yeah. And uh, you've got the Don Wells thing went up earlier this year on, on YouTube. Yes, I'm shooting a new thing. I have a new show. We're not talking about no time left. But I have a new show that I'm doing next week. I'm shooting an episode with Don Wells. It's a totally different show. And I'm shooting one with... Uh, with Tabitha from Bewitched. I love it. Yeah. You're getting all the big ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, all right, final question. What do you love about your life? Where I you're at now? I think it's... Be- I love that I'm getting to do what I want to do. Yeah. I think that's... I mean, I don't have any money, but I don't... You know, I, I never did, so what's the difference? I'm just getting to do what I want to do. Right. And you don't have to cut your own hair anymore. I d- God took care of that. <laughs> I took care of that for you. All right. So fun talking to you. Congrats on everything you got going on. Check out all this stuff. And um, thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Terry Ray uh, for doing the podcast. It was a total delight to talk to him. And if you happen to be in Palm Springs this weekend, go see his play at Indulge. Okay. So this happened. The last time I did the podcast, I told you about... Um, appearing in that article in BuzzFeed regarding the Kevin Spacey, Anthony rap story. And, uh, the fact that Anthony and I had referred to that incident without naming an actor's name in a piece that we did together for advocate.com back in 2001. So anyway, I was interviewed for advocate.com. And I, when I recorded my outro to the podcast last time I had been interviewed, but the article hadn't come out. And, uh, I expressed how nervous I was about it, how, I don't know. I just felt I had all these weird feelings around it, and I was nervous that that it, I would come off badly, or I should have done something different, or what? Am, I don't know. Anyway, the article came out, and it was really good. the The writer of it really captured where I was coming from, and I was very pleased with that. So, anyway, crisis averted. Last time you were there for me, I really appreciate it. Um, what else has happened? I saw um, two really great movies in the last few days. Both of them had Q&As at the Writers Guild, which was an extra special bonus. I got to see Lady Bird, written and directed by Greta Gerwig. It is delightful. Uh, I found it so moving and fresh and unpretentious and lovely. And in the Q&A, she was a superstar. I mean, 
she was able to articulate so many of the choices she made, why she was doing them. Like she was, she's the real deal. And, um, I look forward to seeing many more films that she writes and directs because this first one was a knockout. Um, and now I love Sacramento. It's a love letter to Sacramento. Who knew? And then last night I saw the disaster artist, uh, James Franco's movie about the making of the room. And it's great. It's really fun. The screenwriters were there and I'm not going to remember their names. It's like Mark Weber and Scott Neustadter, something like that. There's two of them. They're very youthful. They're very cute. Uh, they did 500 Days of Summer, Fault in Our Stars, and uh, they wrote this script, and it's got a lot of heart. There's so much love in this movie, which which is kind of a surprise. Like, they, they uh, it's, it's the making of this disastrous movie, but it turns out good. You know, as my friend Glenn Gaylord said in his review that he posted, it's how somebody can fail and succeed at the same time. Um, and it's it's a winner. It's very entertaining. And James Franco's performance is so good. I hope that it's so offbeat, but it's affectionate and uh, funny. It's just, you know, it's good movie season, and I, I got lucky with two winners in a row. All right. That's enough for this week. I'm my new mic. I don't want to wear out my new microphones on uh, their first official full on podcast. So thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.